Welcome back. This is Hebrews in Exile with our honorable teacher, Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And in this episode, we are going to address some comments that have been made concerning our position towards the good stewards we call the Ashkenazis. And while although we are not anti-Semitic, we do want to set the record straight for all Hebrews in Exile about the importance that the Ashkenazis play in preserving the precious Mosaic Law. And now that we've come into the understanding of who we are, it's time for us to take our rightful place back as the firstborn of the Most High in Shemot or Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. So, Hebrews in exile, you know what we do. Let's go! This is Robert... (laughs) 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 Woo! That is one for the gag reel. <laughs> we 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 need we need a bloopers file. Yeah, we needed it was all serious before. Yeah, we needed to lighten the mood a little bit. This is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And this is Hebrews, Hebrews in, in Exile. Exile. Sean. Mm-hmm. Today is February the second. 2022. Right. The Gregorian calendar year. We are one day or this this is the second day of Black History Month. Ah, yes, for, it is. For Hebrew Israelites. That it is. In exile. Mm-hmm. And we have been over the course of a year espousing factual information Mm -hmm. out of scripture that pertains to Hebrews in exile. We've even started to talk about some critical mitzvotes. Yes. And in the process of talking about critical mitzvotes, I am impacted with comments and we like comments yes we do whether they're good whether they're bad or indifferent or indifferent mm-hmm. we like comments mm-hmm. and I have been struck with one of the issues that concerns a nation of people who are called the Oxenazis. And the Oxenazis, as you very well know, are the, I call them, the so-called Jews. Mm. You and I have also talked about the religion of Christianity. It's true. And what our hearers and our listeners need to know is that by no means are we trying to espouse hatred towards any group of people, Mm -hmm. nor are we trying to disparage any group of people. Mm -hmm. But the facts are the facts. That's right. Because what did you say? Truth Truth matters. Matters. Yeah. It's it's this issue of delivering 
information to people so they can decide for themselves. And if the truth, you investigate the truth and you don't want to accept it, then that's, hey. That's, that's, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. This podcast is directed to a group of people that we call Hebrews in exile mm-hmm. with a explanation of who those people are on the basis of scripture and history. And so when somebody makes a comment that makes it sound like we're trying to spread hatred to any group of people, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to educate Hebrew Israel Mm -hmm. on the basis of what is true as opposed to what has been told us Mm -hmm. over centuries and centuries and centuries of time. Yeah. I mean, it's just like uh, the current state that we're in as, I mean, you eloquently put Black History Month uh, for African-Americans in uh, systemic to the United States. What people understand, especially African-Americans, is that is there a, there's an ugly side to the United States and what then their treatment of the African-American people. There's just some people that just will not, no matter what you tell them, what infallible, whatever truth that you present to them, they are going to deny it. Because that's not the world that they that they live in. It's not the worldview. Yeah. So, again, seek it out for yourself. We're presenting the information. If you don't acquiesce to it, then that's fine. But I echo what you're saying. By no shape, form, or fashion are we ever demonizing someone's belief system in the sense to... How do I... Or our int- that's not what our intent is. That's not what our intent is. Our intent no, is to no. just give you the facts. Yeah. And um, on Podbean, which is where our podcast foundation is, mm-hmm. we um, paid money to have our podcast placed on the front page. I have to do some investigating. <laughs> Right. To find out why it is today, it's no longer on the front page. Shaken. And I'm I'm concerned that certain uh, listeners may have had some input in our being removed because Mm -hmm. they have been saying that we are spewing anti-Semitic garbage. Which is not the case. Which is not the case. Not in the slightest. There's one writer whose comment I cannot find went up yesterday, the 1st of February. I cannot find his comment any longer in the comments on Podbeam, but I do have 
a few sentences that since I had opened it up on my on my phone mm-hmm. and in the email, I have just a few lines. I like to read them. Okay. Yeah. The fact that you can't recognize that you are spewing anti-Semitic garbage that has been debunked many times is indicative of the fact that you don't understand anything. Now, I don't have the rest of that narrative because right. it's not it's not there. Now, let me ask you this. When you read that narrative, did that particular person back up any of what they're saying or did they just speak in generalities just to say that you're spewing anti-Semitic? I mean, if you're going to call someone out, cite what we said in that narrative, did they do any of that? No. And of, of course they didn't. No. And, uh, <laughs> and like the first individual who was probably also an Oxenazi, mm-hmm. uh, or no, the one that wrote me the email indicating that the things about the origin of Christianity with Constantine has also been debunked and is not true. And there's, there is better information out there than what we have been saying mm-hmm. also did not provide me with any information where I could go and verify what they're saying. Right. And I think that's really poignant for us is that if we're doing the due diligence to go ahead and present you with scriptorial references uh, that relate to our narrative and what we're talking about, at least you should have the decency to point out where you have the discrepancy and uh, provide your information. If you're going to put it on public consumption like that, then quit being a coward and stop hiding behind a computer and do your research and call us out on what we said that was incorrect and provide something that is credible other than your feelings, which don't mean a heel of beans. <laughs> Gee whiz, my brother, I think that you're kind of <laughs> fired up. Well, I mean, there's just- About this thing. Right, and it, because it continues to be something that is 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 something that continues to repeat itself all the time. People have the right to make their own comments on the page. That's what the comment section is there for. People give us accolades. People like ask questions on there. But for the individuals, like I said, who want to just have their own position and not presenting any information, that, that kind of gets, I don't want to say it, it bothers me, but I'm just saying as, as a person that we want to make sure that we exasperate all the angles and give people every single piece of the pie you don't do anybody any favors and matter of fact what it does is it discredits your position because if i'm asking you something you say well why do you like that well i don't know why do you like it i don't know what that doesn't do anything for me i need you to explain and so it's just been something that's just kind of like i said well (laughs) it gets me going a little bit let's do what people don't do let's provide some factual input to this kind of this kind of comment because agreed this particular podcast is for hebrews in exile and the foreigner who desires to be with us as is quoted mm-hmm. in by midbar numbers chapter 15 and verse 15 so let's go all right In this Hebrew scroll, 
Now you know I need your mic. <laughs> don't, don't do too much talking. <laughs> Hebrew scroll. And this Hebrew scroll is written all of the factual information that is recorded in our translated, transliterated Bibles. Okay. The information from the Hebrew scroll is translated into the Hebrew language where you read from right to left and you say words that probably a lot of people don't understand. Right. So therefore, there has to be a translation of those words. Okay. All Bibles are the product of the Masoretic text. The Masoretic text is the product of the transliteration and the translation of the things that are written in Hebrew in the Hebrew scroll. Mm -hmm. Any so-called Jew, Oxenazi, whatever, who has ever been to a synagogue or has ever studied the Hebrew language can read the Hebrew scroll as we can. That's right. So when we get down into the text in Bereshit, chapter 10, chapter 10 begins to explain to us the genealogy of the sons of Noah. Mm -hmm. The oldest son of Noah, which is mentioned first by the writer, is Shem. The middle boy is Ham, and the youngest son is Yephat. Yep, facts. That's written in the Hebrew scroll. Mm -hmm. So now, in order for me to understand, now we're good. Okay. In order for me to understand the narrative of something being debunked, if the Masoretic text and the Hebrew scroll has not been changed from what Mashe wrote, mm -hmm. then, and if it's been changed within whatever period of time, then we as a people trying to follow the Most High are literally messed up. Agreed. Because then we do not have a valid document to support our Elohim mm -hmm. doesn't have a, we don't have a valid document to support our deliverance and our redemption. We don't have a valid document to support the prophets. Mm -hmm. 
We don't have a valid document to support the writings. Mm-hmm. We don't have a valid document to support what we call the foundation of Scripture, which most people refer to as the Old Testament, but we refer, refer to it as a Brit or a covenant. That's right. If that covenant has been debunked and altered to say something different than its original statement that is made, mm-hmm. and that's out there for consumption by the public, I can't use the word I want to use. <laughs> so I'm just going to say we're messed up. Well, I mean, think of the magnitude of, of, of what you're saying, because not only, like you said, you started out all Bibles have their translation has come from the Masoretic text. So every translator, even in your King James Bible, when they came through and they said, and they translated it, and those that have put together the Septuagint, that it's called, they, the 70 that came in and translated it, translated it a certain way. You have the word of Moshe, you have the Dead Sea Scrolls, you have all these other peripheral books that will establish its validity on where it's at. But yes, I echo what you're saying. If we're saying that the vast, con- it's a, it has to be a conspiracy across the board because there's other books and I, I use this term very lightly or use this literary work very lightly, but even in the book of Yasher, it confirms a lot of things and even gives you a little bit of an insight. Now, I don't agree with necessarily everything that's in the book of Yasher, but it will, for the most part, establish a checks and balance, if you will, of what was written by Moshe. And again, you have other dignitaries and and ancestors like the Book of Enoch. All these other peripheral books confirm what's been written there. So it has to be a mass conspiracy. And I think we're on good ground to say the text that we have, as it's been translated over centuries and centuries and millennia thus far, is the truest form of text that the Most High has given to his servant Moshe, which again, I'm going to bring this issue up. When we read the first five books of and prior to Moshe actually coming into his own with the Most High, he's the Most High while he's out in the desert is giving Moshe the narrative about how the heavens and the earth were created. Moshe doesn't know it. I'm pretty sure some of it was passed down, but I got to believe in my hardest of hearts, not to say that that's emphatically written in that text, is that when he talked to him face to face like you are, he's telling them all the things that came into fruition. So if we've tampered with that, then you're right. And that's got to be a super huge conspiracy to get us to that point. Now, with that being said, I am grounded. I am firmly firmly grounded in the Hebraic language. Mm. And I believe that the Torah scrolls, as they exist in any synagogue that I go into, and I've been into a few of them, Mm -hmm. that when I open up the scroll and I read down, I'm going to see the exact language that has been translated and transliterated that is read in the complete Jewish Bible by David Stern, who happens to be an Aksanazi Jew. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And here's what his Bible says. Bereshit chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. Here is the genealogy of the sons of Noach, Shem, Ham, Yephat. Sons were born to them after the flood. Now, he doesn't begin with Shem. He begins with Yephat mm-hmm. and the genealogy of Yephat. Mm-hmm. The sons of Yephat were Gomer, Magog, Madi, Yovan, Tuval, Meshach, Tyrus, and the sons of Gomer were Aksanaz. Plain as day. Rifat, Togomar. The sons of Yovan were Elisha, Tarshish, Ketum, Dodanin. These from these, the islands of the nations were divided into their lands, and each according to its language, according to their families in their nations. Right. Now, that's what the Torah says about Yephat, and it's recorded in that text that tells me that the Oxenazis, the sons of Gomar were Oxenazi. Yep. Sons of Yefat. And if you do this further, come on, I know so, I'm setting you up. <laughs> so, if they're Oxenazi and they're not written in the genealogy of Shem, and Shem is where Father Abraham comes from, but let me let me read. Mm-hmm. Let me read. Okay. Bereshit, which is Genesis chapter 11, verses 10 through 26, although I'm not going to read all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hit the highlights. It opens, says, here is the genealogy of Shem. Shem was 100 years old when he fathered Arkpashad, two years after the flood. After Akbashad was born, Shem lived another 500 years and had sons and daughters. So now he starts out by giving the genealogy of Shem, of which there is a very large uh, conglomerate of individuals who live here or are part of Shem. But let's go on. Akbashad lived 35 years and fathered Shilak. After Shilak was born, Akbashad lived another 403 years and had sons and daughters. Shalak, Shalak lived another 403 years and had sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. Ever lived 34 years and fathered Peleg. After Peleg was born, Ever lived another 430 years, had sons and daughters. Peleg lived 30 years and fathered Reu. After Reu was born, Peleg lived another 209 years and had sons and daughters. Reu lived 32 years, fathered Sherug. And after Sherug was born, Reu lived another 207 years and had sons and daughters. Sherug lived 30 years and fathered Nekor. Mm-hmm. After Nekor was born, Sherug lived another 200 years and had sons and daughters. Nekor lived 29 years and fathered Terak. And who might Terak's son be? 
Well, let's read and see. Okay. After Terak was born, Nacar lived 119 years and had sons and daughters. Terak lived 70 years and fathered Avram. Ah. Terak fathered Avram. Terak lived 70 years, fathered Avraham, Nahor, Haran. These, this is the genealogy of Terak. Terak fathered Avraham, Nahor, Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died before his father Terak in the land where he was born in Ur of the Casting. Now, I read all that. Mm-hmm. To make the association that Father Abraham does not come out of Yefat. Yefat, right. We've already established in the Torah scroll, in the Torah scroll, that every rabbi in a synagogue and every rabbi reads from, I guess, at some point in time. Mm-hmm. When we go back every year, and study the quote quote Torah portions, this subject matter here is read not only Hebraically, but also transliterated and right. spoken. Now, in Bereshit chapter 14, verses 10 through 15, it says, Now the Sidium Valley was full of clay pits. When the kings of Sodom and Amar fled, some fell into them, while the rest fled to the hills. The victors took possession of Sidon and Amar and all their food supply. Then they left. But as they left, they took Lot, Abraham's son's brother, Abraham's brother's son, rather, and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. Someone who had escaped came to Abraham, the Hebrew. The Hebrew. Hmm. It's right here. It's right here. It's right here. It's right here in the Hebrew scroll. And it's right here in the transliteration and the translation of text from that scroll. It doesn't say anything about Ashkenazi. No. In not, the lineage of Shem, not nowhere, not 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 associated with Shem. Mm. So now, when we talk about being anti-Semitic, it appears to me that from scriptural text, with Shem being a Shemite, mm-hmm. which is which in my mind equates to somatism mm-hmm. that Shem and all of the people that are associated with him are individuals that are of Hebraic persuasion. That's right. And actually, I want to add to what you're talking about because it's this issue of trying to, again, connect our people back to Abraham. And I'm going to re- reinforce what you just got done saying. Because if you continue to read in Bereshit 25, which I'm getting ready to do, uh, you'll see that the grandson of Abraham 
coming from the consummation of, of Avraham and Kitora, produced a son, Midian, and Midian produced Efer. And let me read that because it's quintessential to understand that individuals that come from a specific continent are connected to Avraham in, in, in a roundabout way. Let me start at 25. It says, Avraham took another wife. It says, whose name was Kitor. She bore him Zimran, Yokshan, Midan, Midian, Yishbak, and Shuak. Yosh, Yoshan, Yokshan, fathered Shiva and Didan. And Didan were, the sons of Didan were Ashirim, Litsuim, and Luim, the sons of Midian. The sons of Midian were Epha, Epher, Hanak, Avida, and Eldaah. I want to go back to that individual that was named Epher. So he's the son of Midian, who is the son of Abraham and Kitorah. What's interesting about this particular individual, Efer, is the Eferians settled in the north coast of the northwest coast of Africa. And when they settled there, they came and they, they eliminated a group of people that was in that particular area prior to them settling there called the, the Libyans, I believe. Now, when they settled there and they, they took over the land, they thrived in that particular area. In the Third Punic War, the, I think Rome came down. I believe it was the Romans that came down. And they conquered the Epharians. Now, what's key to understand here is that when they conquered the Epharians, just like say um, when uh, people came over here, to the United States and they conquered the indigenous people that were here. They didn't call it by the names of the people that were here. They changed the name. Virginia, Jamestown, Georgia. They didn't call it the names of the individuals that were here. New York. Okay. So what happened is, is when the third Punic War, when they came down and they conquered the Afarians, they never changed the name of that area. Now, why is that quintessential and key? Is because I believe the Latin version, which is the feminine form, is Africus. And it's named after the people that were in that part of that land that they conquered in the, in the Third Punic War. So it turns into Africa, as if to say that the individuals there were Afarians that come from Avraham and were in Africa. That's why Africa has the name that it has is because it comes from, it comes out of the Afarians that were conquered in the third Punic war. Now, again, you know, you can fact check that and, and take that to the bank if you want to, but we're trying to establish here again on another point that this is not talking about, your non-melanated folks. Okay, I'm no. just going to come out and say it. No, no. It's not talking about them at all. It's not no. talking about the ones that wear the black hats and have the black suits and have the curly cues on the side of their head. It's not that. No. And again, and I'm not bashing. I'm no. just simply saying, because anytime that we think about 
a Hebrew, we think of a particular a vision of a particular person and how they how they are perceived. And I'm saying for those of you that even want to know where the name Africa came from, it's in text. And it comes from those people that were there. The name Africa actually means the land of the Ephraians, which is the grandson of Abraham, who is a Hebrew, who is a Shemite. Out of the lineage of Shem comes your 12 Hebrew tribes upon which we associate ourselves. So stop disassociating yourself saying it. it's them, it's those people. It's not. The, even the name Africa bears witness to your Hebrewism. Now, I know there's some people that's going to be out there and saying, well, Ham was in there too, because just to your point, like Ashkenazi, one of the sons of Ham is Mitzrayim. Yes. As and, well as, as well as this Canaan. Right. So there are individuals and Canaan is, is where, where Disney Israel is right now, supposedly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm only saying that these are, Folks are, are, are non-melanated. So that's what we're trying. At least that's what I'm trying to show here. And I'm providing the evidence for it. Now, if you want to debunk that, provide your proof. Well, I just sit here and shut up. <laughs> because we've got to understand as a people that we, if we don't, and that's the whole entire intent of this podcast, understanding your Hebrew roots, where your ancestors have come from. Devarim 28 talks about it. Matter of fact, the whole entire Torah talks about it. It talks about how individuals had locks, how Ezekiel went into the throne room. He saw a vision of what may be the most high and he had hair of wool. All these types of things indicate to us, even Shimson, which is Samson in most people's Bibles. Samson had locks. There's yeah. too many other people in scripture that have, that are descriptive of a Hebrew people. Right. So all we're trying to establish is, again, like you're doing eloquently, is the emphatic proof, which stems from scripture. We didn't get right. out of scripture. No, right. We're in scripture. And that's what that's we're it. saying. That's it. That's it. Now, scripture says here in chapter 11 that there was a son, Shalak lived 30 years and fathered Eber. Well, and we have to ask a question uh, about Eber. The sons of Eber, or B'nai Eber, which is a cinnamon for the earliest cultural Hebrews, are first mentioned in, he, in the Hebrew Bible, in Bereshit, chapter 10, verse 21. Mm -hmm. Now, in Yeshayahu, which is Isaiah, Isaiah writes, at the behest of the Most High, who has called him to be a prophet, speaks beginning in verse chapter 44, verses 1 through 5. And he says these words. Now listen, Yaakov, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Yaakov and Israel are synonymous. Mm. Thus says Yahweh, who made you, form you in the womb and will help you. Don't be afraid, Yaakov, my servant. 
Yeshurun, whom I have chosen, which is just another name for Israel. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants, mm -hmm. my blessings on your offspring. Okay? Mm -hmm. they, they will spring up among the grass like willows on the riverbanks. One will say, I belong to Yahweh. Another one will be called by the name Yaakov. Yet another will write that he belongs to Yahweh and adopt the surname Yisrael. I mean, the stewards. Who do you think that's talking about? Mm -hmm. Who are the people who have adopted the surname Yisrael? Adopted. Right. Right. It happens to be the nation that calls themselves Israel in this current narrative of time, mm -hmm. who are made up primarily of the Ashkenazi Jews, who live in the in the in that place over there that's called Israel. Mm -hmm. However, history records that that sliver of land that they called Yisrael that was brought into existence in 1964. 64? 64, yeah. May, hold on, let me fact check that. The nation, then 64 is it was 48? Two, no, 48. 48, yeah, 48. 1948, yeah. excuse us, 1948, mm -hmm. which was brought into existence by the British and the Ashkenazi Jews, and I think there's a couple of other nations that are involved in that in that procurement of that land for which these people have taken over, gone into South Africa, which is recorded historically in, in old, you got to go to old ancient maps mm -hmm. to find out that Canaan or the Canaan land or the land that flowed with milk and honey happens to be in South Africa. South Africa happens to be the part of the continent of Africa that flows with the gold, the silver, from which came all of the acacia trees that are a part of the building of the first temple. Mm -hmm. That land happens to be in South Africa. Mm. So now when you come at me and tell me that something has been debunked because everything I'm telling you here is written in the Hebrew scripture. Absolutely. I am a Hebrew Israelite by virtue of the fact that the complete narrative that is written in Bereshit chapter number, um, come on, it's 28, mm -hmm. beginning at verse 15, through 69, when any nation of people, I'm just not going to call it, but I'm just going to say, right. any nation of people reads that narrative, that narrative can only belong to the melanated people that are in exile to the four corners of the world. Right, right. And 
You know what? I think it goes without question. Let me come on the heels and I'm just going to take a quick sidebar. I don't want to get you off your topic. But again, kudos to the stewards that have stepped into place to preserve the Most High's word because you brought up Devarim 28. We've fallen out with the Most High and has completely forgot our ancestry and the ways of the Most High. The Most High has left a witness for us to bear witness to his word. So we're not, again, this is not Ashkenazi bashing. No. Because they have a purpose that the Most High, Yahweh, has used and served. They've served that purpose. And my hat's off to them for that because they've kept it very digital. digital. Blah. Thank you kindly. Thank and you I, kindly. And, and, I, and, I've, and I've said that in another, another podcast. Yeah. Thank you kindly. Now, this happens to be Black History Month. Mm-hmm. And along with the same narrative that we're talking about here, the history books, oh, I, oh, 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 I forgot something, I forgot uh -oh. something, I forgot something, I forgot something. Okay. If you want to, you need to go back and you need to read um, this book. These books, did they not come up? They, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't annotate in here. And, mm. and there are several books out on the market that talk about the black Hebrew Israelites in scripture. And it also talks about, there's one that talks about uh, black people in scripture and history. We play a central part in what the Most High has ordained. These scriptures from Bereshit to Chronicles are all about melanated people. They are. Absolutely. And you can fact check that. Mm -hmm. So don't, don't write me and tell me something's been debunked when you don't give me a source that I can go back and validate to see whether or not what's being said maps back to the foundation of Scripture because the problem with Scripture, it says every word can be established by two or three witnesses. Every word can be established. So we validate Scripture not only with history, we validate it with science, and the Most High is the third witness right? that validates himself in terms of what he said. Right. I mean, it's just too many examples in there. Like you said, it points to, I mean, Zipporah, which was... Whose wife, Moshe's wife, is said to be an Ethiopian. And unless you're taking the melanation out of Ethiopians, I don't, that is a person of color. Yes. When you talk about Pincus, his name means dark skinned. Dark -skinned. Uh, all of these examples of individuals, again, I brought up the issue of locks and, and the way that we wear our hair. There's too many things that point to melanated people. And, and the problem is in... Now, I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit on standardized what so-called teaching at the seven o'clock, nine o'clock and eleven o'clock service on Sunday. You're not getting that narrative. Right. You're getting a narrative that disconnects you from the totality of Scripture where you're worshiping a person. 
and you have no connection to that person because every image that you see of that person is some guy that looks like he just jumped off of a surfboard with his long blonde flowing hair. You have no association to your Hebrew. I mean, if he comes from the tribe of Judah, if your God, your deity, your demigod comes from the tribe of Judah, we're already establishing already Yehuda was a tribe of melanated people or the children of Israel were melanated people. So why do you disassociate yourself with that? Because that's not being taught. We have, Sean, we have been called some atrocious names mm. since we started this podcast. That we have. Those comments are no longer up. Right. But obviously, we hit a chord with a people who don't want to recognize by scripture mm -hmm. who they are. Right. And that's all we've ever said. We haven't gone anywhere. We haven't gone anywhere outside of any Bible, even your Greek New Testament mm -hmm. reads within the same context, just doesn't, it just doesn't use the Hebraic language in terms of names and so forth. But the narrative is the same. Absolutely. When we read Bereshit 28, beginning at verse 15, it says, But if you refuse to pay attention to what Yahweh Eloheka says, and do not observe and obey all his misfolds and regulations, which I'm giving you today, then all the following curses will be yours in abundance. Mm. Now, this is the reason why it is that I'm trying Every week we come in to do a podcast, I'm trying to enumerate the mitzvotes that are critical for us to pay attention to in this exile. Right. But I get sidetracked with this kind of stuff because I have to go back and clarify and make a point that I'm only going to make once. When I finish this particular podcast here mm -hmm. in defining who Israel is and who Israel is not, I'm through. Because the narrative is there for you to read. Mm -hmm. It's there for the Aksanazis to read. And if they're so, so fluent in their Hebrew language, they can go into the Hebrew scroll and read it, and it will say exactly what I have said. Absolutely. Now, It is a well-known fact that the Bilderbergs and there's another group of people that I can't think of that are associated with them. The Rothschilds and the Bilderbergs are all associated with wealth and they're all associated with things that are germane to the economy, the historical economy that has been established in this exiled nation called America. True. When I read Bereshit 15 to 69, and when I think about the Aksanazis and all that they own mm -hmm. in America and the world, they own the, the majority of media. Absolutely. Probably their biggest asset. When I talk about media, I'm talking about the 
broadcasting networks, the movie industry, mm -hmm. the entertainment in industry, mm -hmm. they were responsible for being the, the institution that recorded a lot of our gospel music. Mm. They were the producers of a lot of our gospel music. That's, mm -hmm. that's historically, you can fact check that and you'll find that the producers of a lot of the music that Mahalia Jackson sang, mm -hmm. a lot of the music that uh, oh, James that. Cleveland sang, uh, a lot of the music that was recorded by Aretha Franklin uh, in her earlier days were the producers, these producers were Jewish producers. And I would even assert that even some of your more modern, during the, like the, in the 60s, uh, some of your modern artists, secular artists, had it as well. Marvin Gaye, um, those individuals that um, were very affluent at that particular time had association. So when we read 15 to 69, none of that narrative, none of that narrative fits the Akhenazi Jews. Mm. Um, specifically, let's look at something here. While I recognize that they are also despised by many of their own European counterparts, and they are European, mm -hmm. in verse 25, it says, Yahweh will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will advance on them one way and flee before them seven. You will become an object of horror to every kingdom on earth. Mm. Are the Akhenasi Jews an object of horror to every kingdom on earth? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But we are. But we, exactly. <laughs> But, but we are. You will be, verse 27 or 26 or 28 here says, you will be continually oppressed and robbed. There will be no one to save you. You will get engaged to a woman, but another man will marry her. You will build a house, but not live in it. You will plant vineyards, but not use its fruit. Your sons and daughters will be handed over to another people. You know what you just sounded like you just said? The last three ones just enumerate slavery. What'd you say? Go go back up. You said what? About making... You will be oppressed and robbed and there will be no one to save you. Okay. You will get engaged to a woman, but another man will marry her. Okay. You will build a house, but not live in it. Okay, so there. Did we not, on the backs of our ancestors in this country, build so much here, but we didn't oh, live in them houses? Absolutely. absolutely. At all. Absolutely. absolutely. What's, what's, what's the next one? Um. Mm. Your sons and daughters, oh, wait, 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 yeah, your sons and daughters will be handed over to another people. <laughs> you will watch for them longingly all day, but not see them. 
and there will be nothing you can do about it. Yeah, those are the atrocities that have happened to us in the last couple of centuries here in this country. Now, while, we were bought yeah, and sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, while I'm talking about this issue about the Aksanazi Jews and us spewing uh, hatred toward them, we're not. But we are also including in this narrative information that's out of Scripture that's pertinent to the melanated man, which is the Hebrew in exile, which is the African-American Hebrew, right. which is the individual who has been deported out of their homeland, which happens to be Africa, and, 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 and spread all over the four corners of the earth, just like the Most High said. Faith, enumerated evidence right we, there. We are the only nation of people who are in this land that have brought been brought here on slave ships to become slaves. Mm -hmm. The Oxenazi Jews were not deported out of Spain, out of Portugal, and out of all of the places where they worked in the in the uh, what was it the jeez. Um, trying to think was it the uh what what year it was mm -hmm. i used to know i don't it's not clicking with me right now but I, i'm trying to think 1900s mm -hmm. well you know what let me ask you a question you're very wise and knowledgeable and i'm just maybe i'm just oversimplifying this and you can correct me if i'm wrong but like we had enumerated earlier in 1948 if in fact the Ashkenazis who have reclaimed the land. A land. A land. If that is in fact the land, then how come the rest of what the Most High has put into fruition hasn't come to pass yet? Good question. There's no, we're still living in a dispensation of time that has not ushered in the Mesianic era. If you go and these people have moved back into the land and they've taken possession of it, number one, you're supposed to have kicked everybody out. And far as I know, there's a bunch of Catholicism that's in the land. Um, the Muslim religion is in the land. If that is in fact the, land. the land. So if that's the case and you're supposed to be the catalyst, then how come the things that the Most High has ushered in or has spoken, spoken in, scripture in Scripture hasn't happened yet? Oh, that's been debunked. <laughs> and, and if that's the case, if we still go with the narrative that it's been debunked by the so-called people who call it debunked, once again, then as a people in this world, and I don't care whether you're whether you come from the nations or whether you come from Hebrew Israel, if that's the case, we are a screwed up, messed up, theological, messed up people. Right. Because then we don't have anything that's valid, that's true, that proves what the Most High has said. Right. Right. And I'd hate to be in that I'd situation. I'd hate to be in that yeah. position. I'd hate to be in that's that position. no good. Now, once again, these people that are coming after me and my cohort are saying that we're espousing hatred, but we're not. We're simply explaining scriptural text, mm -hmm. which comes out of 
the Torah scroll. I'm reading out of Dabarim chapter 28, which happens to be in the Torah scroll. Mm-hmm. And it's written there Hebraically. I'm reading the transliteration, the transliteration, the transliteration and the translation of what that text says. And this doesn't fit, this doesn't fit them at all. Right. At all. Uh, your fathers and sons and daughters, but they won't belong to you because they will go into captivity. Mm. We are in captivity. Uh, the Oxenazi Jews are not in captive are, are not in captivity. Yep. And they weren't they yeah. weren't dispersed they weren't dispersed out of the land to the four corners of the world. Right. Matter of fact, they were the ones doing the dispersing. They were the ones doing it. Right. It's not that their hands are clean. And if you go back and do your history, this is a history lesson that's wearing y'all out. If you really check it, you will find out that they are the progenitors of the transatlantic slave trade or t- I shouldn't say progenitors, but have taken a large role yeah. in its, in its, in its thriving for lack of eloquence. Yeah. And the text goes on to say in verses number 46, these curses will be on you and your descendants as a sign and a wonder forever. Forever. Mm-hmm. You have to read. You have to. You have to read Devarim chapter chapter twenty eight, fifteen, down through like sixty chapter something. verse number sixty nine, and realize that this is only talking about one group of people, mm-hmm. and that's melanated people. Enough said. So, when we come to this time that we're in today which is Black History Month. You cannot go into Black History without studying the the uh, the narrative that's associated with you from its origin mm-hmm. or with us from its origin. The Most High in Bereshit chapter 2 created man from the dust of the ground. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the dust of the ground is not pink. Right, right. The dust of the ground happens to be a very, it could be, in, I, I've been to Africa, and the ground there, the dirt there is a very brownish, and sometimes it's very, it's a very reddish color, yes, yeah. not pink. Mm-hmm. The Most High called the man that he created, he called him Adam. The suffix of the word Adam is Dom, which means blood. Blood, before oxygen hits it, is a very dark color. So everything that's associated with the man that the Most High created is an individual of dark skin color. Right. Pigmentation. Right. He did not create this dark skin individual to be, uh, to be inferior. Right. As a matter of fact, he is very superior to all of the creation that the Most High has created in terms of humankind. Mm-hmm. Out of this melanated man comes a plethora of the DNA 
of his father who created him, which happens to be the most high. And that plethora of information happens to be cre his, his creativeness. We're going to hear, we're going to hear all month long about all of the, all of the creations and all of the things that melanated people have brought into civilization mm -hmm. as part of our way of life and part of our civilized way of life that we have never heard of before and never knew that they even did it. And that's because the European counterparts to, to Shem, the Yefats and the Europeans out of, out of Jefat have taken and stolen and made for themselves all the creative things that we have created for mankind that the Most High has given us as an article to be able to survive in the world that we live in. Right. And it's very poignant for us because we're very close to it. But as you have enumerated previously, one of our greatest criticisms of our own people and our own scholars is that this is so well put in this particular month. We're talking about black history. Yes. Black history doesn't start at slavery. No. Okay. Black history is what we're talking about right here. Yes. Which is you cannot disassociate the narrative. You're, let me just say it a different way. You're doing yourself an injustice by not only is it good to understand black history as it relates to the last 400 years of our captivity in this land, but you have to go back. And that requires us to delve deep into scripture because we're laying the foundation for you that that is a history book that talks about how our people came to existence and to fruition. And it's not good that our astute scholars and furthermore, because our people don't listen to scholars on a daily basis, that them so-called preachers, I want to say something else really derogatory, in them pulpits are not even giving you or not affording you the opportunity to hear the richness of the people, a wealthy people, a people that the Most High covets. You don't even hear that. What you hear is what we've kind of had already, which is good, but complete the whole narrative and draw this back into play, which is you, when we talk about true black history, you're talking about Torah. Yeah. And the, and the fact of the matter is when we talk about the creativeness, the creativeness of our people, we need to go back and we need to look at um, what the Most High said to Mashe uh, in when he ordered him uh, to build the tabernacle, you know? Mm. When he ordered him to build the tabernacle, he told Mashe to tell the people whose heart, whose hearts they desired to give, to give towards the building of the Mishkan. Mm. We've talked about this in a podcast before. When our ancestors left Mitzrayim and went into the desert with the Most High, they went into the desert with wealth. Absolutely. They had so much wealth that when Mashe asked them to bring their offerings for the sake of building the Mishkan, they brought so much that he had to tell them to stop. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. We've talked about this. <laughs> right. The Mishkan itself in today's standard of, of, of money, value, and gold was about $60 million. That's just materials. That doesn't include labor. Labor. And that's just one room. And that's just one room. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being the case, who do you think Bitziel was? And let's go to Shemot chapter 31. Okay. Yahweh said to Mashe, I have, the Most High said, I have singled out Bitziel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Yehuda, and I have filled him with the spirit of Elohim, with wisdom and understanding, knowledge concerning every kind of artistry. He is a master of design in gold, silver, bronze, cut precious stones to be set, wood carving, and every other craft. Mm. This is not this is not a European. This is a Hebrew son of Israel that comes from the tribe, who literally comes from the real tribe of Yehuda, who's not going by a surname Israel. Right. Right. And this individual, Bitziel, was a melanated person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you look at when you look at the artistry that is descriptive of how the Mishkan and the and the table of shoebread and the uh, the uh, the you got uh, the uh, incense altar. The you incense got, altar. You got the menorah. The menorah mm-hmm. and the uh, and the holy of holies place where the where the cherubims were. Yep. All of that was crafted by this young man right here, and he was a melanated person. That just that says a lot. That's- and and he was an authentic Jew from the tribe of Judah. Of Yehuda, yeah. These individuals that claim to be Jews and Akhenazis are not from the tribe of Yehuda. Right. And they can't be from the tribe of Yehuda because their father comes from out of the tribe out of the out of the nation of Yephat. Mm-hmm. So they can't be part of the 12 sons of Israel who come out of Father Abraham, who come out of Yaakov. Mm-hmm. They can't be. They just can't. And they just it, can't be. And we're not. We're listen. This is fact. You can fact check this. This. Oh, oh my. Oh my. There goodness. we go. Oh we my. got him there. Now it took it took us a while. Oh. We got you there. I mean, because this this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. So, when we look at at inventions, okay, and things that melanated people have invented. And I'm just going to name a few that you will probably recognize. Mm-hmm. Open heart surgery. Yes. Was a black plumber. Mm-hmm. And when he figured out how the heart works and they had their first encounter with open heart surgery, mm-hmm. they wouldn't even let him in the operating room to tell him what what they needed to do in terms of what how to carry out the procedure because right. he was black. Right, right, right. But he's the one. He's the one that that created 
the mechanism that's associated with open heart surgery. surgery. It's a right. black man. That's right. That's right. It ain't a white man. It's a black man. Can I can I give you one? Yeah. Since we volleying volleying back. Yeah. There's a term that we always use, or at least I'm from the Midwest. Uh, the Ohio area. Um, and we used to say all the time, that's the real McCoy. Yes. I want the real McCoy. Yes. McCoy, Elijah McCoy was a black man. Yes. That designed the a system upon which the railroad, the, the railroads, cars, cars rolled on in floor. order to give it, yeah, to give it a smoother ride and how to grease, grease the wheels and all that kind of thing. That was a black man that, did that and we use that term the real McCoy people yeah. don't even know where don't that comes, know where from. It comes from so because right. there was a lot of imitations on right. the real thing right that comes up so our genius in making there's another one everybody that drives a car everybody that drives a car experiences this when you get in the street and you go down the street and you stop at a stoplight stop yes yes that was designed yes by a person of melanation no, color. right right you got one about ADT yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a black woman mm -hmm. who first came up with the idea of placing a camera at her front door so that she could record mm -hmm. people coming coming up her walkway. Mm -hmm. uh, and out of that, out of that, she created the alarm system that we that we have. Right. Right. Uh, it was a person of melanated color who brought into fruition the aspect of GPS. Mm -hmm. I mean, and everybody has GPS on their on their on their phone. On their phone, I don't yeah. Care if you got an Android, if you got a, an Apple, you've got GPS, and in your car you got GPS, and it was a melanated person of color who is the is the person who brought that to fruition. Beautiful. There's so much rich culture that we have that we just don't, even, like I said, even within the last, in our captivity here, we've accomplished so much. But And, and you you know what? Mm, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, you brought up BCL yeah. and Oliav, his yeah. assistant. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, that's going to provoke me to do a little bit more research because we are focusing in this particular time of the year, uh, which is the shortest month of the year, on black excellence. Yes. So if I'm going to make the assertion that we are going to, uh, there's excellence that's there, then what excellence has been talked about in that Torah that we can even go back to say, and our biggest example, which is probably the most poignant one, the most obvious one, is BTL. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that there is, I, I'm going to make do some research to see what other creative things that we've we've made as inventors, possibly that's enumerated in text that's probably hidden there. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's go back to something that's said here. Remember that the Most High says in Darin that this Torah that he's given us, mm -hmm. the nations will say, what a wise and understanding people you are mm. who have this Torah and this Elohim that is as close to you. But listen to the words he says of Bezio. Mm -hmm. I have filled him with wisdom and understanding knowledge. 
Now, when he talks about having filled him with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, he's talking about the configuration of how the Hebrew letters that the Most High has used the Hebrew language within his own consortium of creation to bring everything into existence. Mm -hmm. The Most High says, I have passed that knowledge on to Betzel, not just within the configuration of Torah, but within the, within the configuration and the power of the Hebrew language itself and what it has within it that causes us to be able to be creative. Yeah. He, our Father, who created all things, put within his people the first man that he created, which was a melanated individual. He put within that individual the ability to be creative. Absolutely. And that answers, you know, where I was, you know, getting ready to go, which is, you know, if we're made in the image of the most high. Yeah. So therefore, why? I mean, the first few let I mean, first few words of uh, better sheet. Uh, enumerates the fact that, you know, the most high created. Yes. And he put, and we're made in his image, so why wouldn't he put why that creative? Why would be able to create? But here's another one. Yes. That I just thought about, is that there was a group of individuals that were working for Paro, Pharaoh. Yeah. And the foreman came up there and Moshe goes in there and tries to negotiate. And when he negotiates, he says something that Paro doesn't like and he says, hey, we're going to stop giving them straw, figure out how to make them bricks because I'm not giving that to you. It's in order for us to keep moving forward with what we were doing. We had to at least be creative to come up with a way to some chemical way to make bricks other than because our materials were being taken away from us. And that is the kind of the father of invention is kind of taking, you know, seeing a need and filling a need and seeing where there's a, a chasm and filling that with how can we do this better or we're missing something, what do we need? So I guess uh, just another example of creativity that's, that's in there. Let's take something that we enjoy. Eating? Yes. Let's take something we enjoy. Okay. Yes, eating. It is hard to have a hamburger mm -hmm. without french fries or potato chips. Oh, yes. That's very true, as I am addicted to both, as you can tell. <laughs> Most people do not know the origin of potato, potato chips. Potato chips, yeah. Mm -hmm. Lay's did not invent potato chips. Mm -hmm. It was a black chef yep. who was cooking for his white master. Mm-hmm who served his white master some, just got through saying it, not potato chips. French fries. French fries. Mm -hmm. I could, it's <laughs> all right. Age is catching up with me and I'm going blank in the middle of what I'm trying see, to see, say. I'm, see, every time you bring it up, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you because Moshe started his ministry at, when he was an octogenarian. So anyway, go ahead. And so <laughs> he's sitting back to the kitchen because these french fries were not um, crisp enough. Mm. So he went back to the kitchen <laughs> said, and I'll show you another batch and they still weren't right. right. At which point he took the shaving of this potato 
and deep fried it, mm. took it back to his master, and his master decided, ooh, these are good. Mm. That's the formulation of potato, potato chips. chips by a black chef. Mm. Good deal. Excellent. Uh, the creation of cell phones is the idea, once again, of a melanated person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the first, one of the first supercomputers that was built was by an African man. By an African man out of uh, Ghana, I think it yeah. was, or yeah. Nigeria. Supercomputer, yeah. Yes, superconductor, yes. So the point that we're trying to make here mm. is that we're not anti-Semitic. We're very somatic in terms of putting it in its proper place in history, in its proper place, and, and, and speaking of it from the narrative that the Most High has spoken about when he created all things and all people and who the sons are of Noah that are instrumental in, in their role either for Israel and or against Israel. Mm. When we go back and we read in Ezekiel, the prophet, the prophet Ezekiel talks about the war that the Most High is going to make with a nation out of Yephat, what is called Gog and Magog, which are European nations of which the Oxenazis are a part of. Now, the Most High is irritated. He's upset. He's angry at how his people, Hebrew Israelites, have been treated by these people that are called Oxenazis. Mm. History, history, yep. history, history. Fact check it. Yep. I was 1490. 1490? 1490. I think it's 1490 when the Oxenazis went into Portugal because Portugal was the nation that had these that had ships that would sail. Yeah, they had a nautical priority. Nautical priority. Yep. And the Oxenazis uh, went in got their ships from the Portuguese and they operated the slave trade out of Spain. Mm. That's history. I'm talking about you. Yes, it's history. And I'm not spewing hatred. I'm spewing history. That's right. And if history is hatred, then so be it. Right. Except, you. hey, it is what it is. I mean... We Hebrew Israelites in exile and we Hebrew Israelites before we were exiled, we have a very bad history. Mm -hmm. The Most High became upset with us because of how we were treating our own people. 
He talks about us in the prophets, how much bloodshed we, 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 we spewed amongst our, our own people, how we treated them so badly with, with, uh, with measurements of scales and weights that were, that were not fair, how we treated our own people, how we treated the widows and the orphans of our own people. Right. The Most High talks about that in the prophets. So we, we, we got some bad history with us too. Absolutely. And you know what? And we accept that. Mm-hmm. Yep. We have to accept it. Right. It's written. It's there. Yep. It's documented. It's all there. So when we talk about this black history thing, we talk about these people who think that we're bashing them. I'm not bashing them. I'm only explaining history. It is out of Spain that the Oxenazis ran their slave trade. And the Spaniards said that they were doing such great business coming out of Spain that the Spaniards uh, proclaimed to them, because Spain happened to be a Christian nation, mm-hmm. that these Oxenazis Jews needed to or were going to have to convert to Christianity in order to continue to do slave trade out of Spain. That's history. Look it up up. Mm. Yes. You were responsible. You were responsible for the father's children being brought and dispersed out of the African continent on the slave ships that you took out of Portugal and dispersed us to the four corners of the world. But that's okay. That's okay. The Most High said this is what was going to happen to us. Right. It's been prophesied. The Most High said it. This is what's going to happen to you, Hebrew Israel. Right. You Oxenazi Jews were not not dispersed to the four corners of the earth. Wherever you are, you came by choice. Mm. It's the melanated man out of Africa that is dispersed into places that he didn't have a choice about being. That's right. That's right. Look it up. Right. That's history. I'm not espousing hate. I'm espousing history. history. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they were the ones. I can't help it. The history's bad. The history's bad. They were the ones who brought us out of the African continent of which our own people were trading with the Oxenazis. That's right. And giving their brothers and sisters away to slave trade. That's history. Yeah. Matter of fact, you can go and look up the matter of fact, it's on YouTube, actually, where as of recent, some of the Gahanian and chieftains uh, have uh, issued a formal apology for selling their own countrymen into slavery. So this is a it's a system that has been perpetuated for a very, very long time. And like you said, we have a skin in the game because the antithesis of where all this comes from is our disobedience yes. to the words and writings of the Mosaic yes. Law yes. on how we're supposed to conduct ourselves yes. as a yes. nation of people. That is where all this started from. Yes. You can we can sit you can sit there and be into your feelings all day long about oh they're talking about me because I'm an Oscanazian and all that stuff. But we have to take some ownership as well yes. to say that we wouldn't even be in this situation if had we, we not. Had we not. Yeah. So, so anyway, 
I think we can stop here. I think we can. I think we can, we can land a plane. I think we I think we can come in for a landing. Okay. Very good. Very good. Yeah, it's it's very quintessential for us to have self-pride and self-worth and who we are. And as Hebrews in exile, our our mission is to diligently rescue those that are entrapped in the mental slavery. Because although we do have freedoms to move about in the United States and elsewhere in the world, we are still slaves mentally to a system. And until you wake up proverbially from the matrix, we are going to continue to keep rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing this till we get it right. I am proud to be a person of color. You're here. I am proud not only to be a person of color, but I am proud that the Most High, out of all the myriad, myriad thousands of people, has chosen me to awaken to the knowledge that resides in his Torah that provides me with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, just like he said it would. I am happy that in this exile, I have turned back to his way of life and turned back to him, call him by his right name, and will not worship nor bow down to any person, thing that has been created by him to worship. I will only worship the absolute all existing spirit, which is holy, which is absolute, omniscient, omnipresent, all existent, the mighty one, whom he told Mashe, his name, throughout all generations, was Yahweh. Some of you um, Hebrew Israelites call him Yahuwah. Some of you call him Yahweh, but his name is not God. Sure is not that. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be associated with an Elohim that said, if my people, I am called by his name. I am called by his name. And to be called by his name, I can't be called God. I am called by the name Yahweh, would humble themselves and pray. Then he said, I will hear from heaven and I will heal your land. He's not talking about healing America. He's talking about healing the place that we were dispersed for from, which happens to at this particular point in time, be laying fallow and desolate according to his definition. And that's a subject for another day. I mean, hallelujah. And I say to you, this is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And this has been Hebrews, Hebrews in, in Exile. Exile. Shalom. Shalom.